Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Sat Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org. To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the members section of our website or our YouTube channel, Sat Yoga Institute. Namaste. Satyoga is the radical reunion of the self with itself. A conscious recognition of that which has always been the case, but it has not been recognized consciously, even though it has always been known in the superconscious. And so it is this meeting of the I as awareness that has been functioning within the phenomenal plane through body and through the intelligence of the ego mind that uses that intelligence and willpower to turn back upon itself, to rediscover its own source, its own noumenal essence that is within and beyond the phenomenal manifestation of itself. So the I as the awareness that has entered the world, identified at least in part with mind and body, returns to that essence that has never been identified with mind or body and has never entered into the illusion of time or space or of change or of difference or of suffering. And so the attention as it re-enters into that sphere of pure luminous presence, there comes a meeting that instantaneously produces Satchit Ananda. It produces the realization of our true nature, our being, Sat. It produces an emanation of the full intelligence of the self. And it produces the ananda, the bliss, that has always been there at the deep level, but now it is connected to the surface, to the phenomenal, so that the energies of the bliss, the love, the joy, the light, the power, the wisdom, enters fully into the phenomenal plane through the linking that is made in that meditative return to presence without the intermediate barrier of thought or emotion or image or identification with anything other than itself. And so that is why the first mantra is aham aham, the I of awareness meets the eye of the substratum and all-encompassing presence 
that underlies and pervades the cosmos and transcends the cosmos. And the immanent and the transcendent aspects of the self become one. They were never different, but there had been an illusion of difference because there had been a forgetting by that aspect that entered into the dream field of the phenomenal world of its true nature and in its remembrance of its true nature the opening of all of its potentials again happen and they are activated and manifested and then suddenly everything is different than it ever had been for the ego and that difference which paradoxically is the realization of sameness the realization that all of its beliefs in differences were incorrect because everything and everyone is a manifestation of that same essence that one discovers internally as the innermost self it is also realized as the outermost and the all-encompassing and all ever-present self as a single intelligence choreographing all that is and as it unfolds in its perfection reveals to itself in the form of your own consciousness the insights and the intuitions that enable a further unfoldment of ever deeper realization that is transmitted morphogenetically through the entire field and that superorganismic potentiality becomes gradually realized in the fullness of all of the implications of our unity indifference of that underlying perfection and that is what allows all of the remaining residue of maya of alienation of fear of desire of all of the judgments and projections made by the ego mind to fall away once and for all so one of the things that becomes an important realization is that the apparent difference between classical Advaita and Neo-Advaita is not a true differential either. In the classical mode of analysis and practice, there has to be effort made by the awareness that is still identified with the body and the ego mind in order to try to overcome its, uh, its difference from itself and its sense of uh, being at a lower level of uh, purity, of truth, of reality and of intelligence, etc., etc. And that effort has to be made to overcome the ego resistance to its own death, to its own transcendence. But the Neo-Advaitans say with an actually logical uh, case that needs to be understood that because the ego is an illusion, how can an illusion make any effort? There might be an apparent effort that is made, but because there really is no ego, there's a belief in the ego, a, a, a kind of a bootstrapping of a fantasy 
that because it gets believed in, that belief then uh, produces the illusion of a reality, right? It's very uh, cliche now that I will, I will see it if I believe it. And so the power of consciousness working through a set of false beliefs produces a false illusion of reality. But in truth, because it is false, no effort is actually made. And no effort can be made because there is only an illusion, a mirage. And that mirage has no power to change itself. It is a fantasy structure in itself. And so what, what has to be understood, but isn't understood until it has been transcended, another catch-22 we could say, is that nothing is really under the control of the ego. Because the ego is not real. But it's also true that the realization that nothing is under control is not under control either. And so a moment will come when the transcendence of the ego happens. It may, that moment may come because of, seemingly because of a lot of effort that's being made. I'm going to meditate for hours on end and I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray and I'm going to do all kinds of service or whatever is in one's mind, 108 repetitions of a mantra or 108,000 or whatever. I'll not stop in that effort and then there's a breakthrough or maybe not. But the effort did not cause the breakthrough. Just because it may be contiguous in time does not create causality. And so when it happens will be simply the will of that which is always already liberated and, and is the dreamer of the dream. The one in the dream, the character in the dream, cannot control what happens in the dream. But that character, because it's unreal, what it can know is that all of its beliefs about itself and about the world are false. But it cannot change them. It can know it. And it can even say, yeah, I know this isn't real, but I still feel this way, or I'm still going to do this thing. And, uh, and it will, uh, nonetheless, regardless of whatever amount of information or wisdom that it gains from reading sacred texts or, uh, or whatever other sources it has gained, will not help it to change in any way. That will depend upon the will of that absolute intelligence that underlies everything. And so, through the radical paying attention to one's mind in meditation, the recognition that the awareness that is paying attention to the mind cannot really change the mind. And the thought that it can change the mind is just the mind itself thinking that. But the awareness does not have control over its own mind so long as there is still identification with the body through which that mind is functioning as the operating system. 
And whatever thoughts, whatever inspirations, whatever ideas and uh, behaviors and intentions and feeling states and desires occur are beyond the power of the ego to control. There may be some sense that one can keep from acting out a certain desire or one can try to manage one's emotions or one can try to delay the gratification of a certain urge. But even that will depend upon the will of that source. You may or may not be able to do what you intend to do. You can make all the great resolutions in the world. You can take vows with all the sincerity that you can muster but it won't make a bit of difference if the will of that ultimate intelligence is not for you to be able to keep that promise to yourself or to another. It is all about the karmic unfoldment of the dream in which one is a character that therefore has no power to change the dream because it's only an appearance and even the unfoldment of that appearance is an illusion because time itself is not real. And so whatever ways in which things unfold will create whatever illusions based on the false beliefs that are held in the mind of that ego, but they will have no effect on the unfoldment of reality. They are simply part of it. But at that moment when the return happens, the reconnection, when the circuit is reopened and the power flows and the I meets the I, aham, aham, at that moment there is the emergence of Satchitananda and that changes everything. So the first mantra, aham, aham, I am I, the two aspects of awareness meet and the self is complete, produces the Satchitananda, and that produces peace and silence and well-being and order at all the levels of reality, from the supreme to the subtle to even the physical level of being. But it is all an, a result of the emanation and the explosion, you could say, of this atmic energy that comes from the meeting, the fusion of the I with the I. The I am with the I that is beyond amness, beyond being. And the one in the being or the becoming of the phenomenal plane meets that which never enters into the phenomenal plane, but which recognizes what has seemed to be a world of multiplicity of beings and entities in processes in time and space is really just consciousness, one single consciousness at play with itself, lila. And that play, that enjoyment of its own internal potentialities and its own manifestations of every variety of beauty and of unexpected, unprecedented, unpredictable, undecidable actions that create insights, that create aha moments, eureka moments, moments of awe, 
moments of sublime appreciation of divine beauty and perfection, all of those incredible moments in which the ego mind is able to transcend its normal paradigm of reality and see all as it really is, subspecie eternitatis, to use Schopenhauer's phrase, in, in eternity rather than in time. All of, of that capacity for having those satoris, those moments of awakening, those realizations of bliss that can be lost as well. And there is no way to control whether one stays in that state and is permanently liberated or one uh, bobs up and down from Maya into Leela. But all of this is part of the play that happens as a result of the unfoldment that must happen according to the supreme intelligence of the source. And so what can be known in that moment of Satchitananda, even if it's a, an extremely short momentary glimpse, if there is a fusion between these two aspects, the noumenal and the phenomenal aspect of the self in meditation, that Satchitananda will produce an awakening whose traces will remain through time, even if the vibrational frequency of that level of consciousness has been lost and one falls back into a lower state. That frequency remains as something that can be returned to and as something that uh, is able to recontextualize one's life because now one has glimpsed that which is, uh, is transcendent and... Uh, undeniable, more real than the reality that the ego might return to in its daily life. But there's no control even of that uh, desire to stay connected. But it, the emanation of that power will make its way through all the levels of reality. But it's in this in this moment in which everything is revealed because nothing is hidden because the self is the author of all that appears and so in that moment when nothing is hidden there is a an ability to let go of all of one's demands that reality be a certain way or fear that it will be a certain way and all of the uh, pathologies of the ego that have seemed to be unmovable, unshakable. You can't get rid of them. You can't change them. They're haunting you. They are, uh, they are causing you to fall back into a dark place, a black hole again and again. All of those tendencies of the particularity of identification of the ego lose their power over you. It's at that moment that there is freedom of the will to refuse to go back into the illusion. Even though the illusion continues, but because of one's being present to the illusion, if that moment, in that very moment of fusion, there is a, a decisive liberation from any desire to return to the ego, 
then that will will overcome the otherwise irresistible gravity of the attention returning and re-identifying with body and ego mind. But it can't be forced. It's grace. And if that grace occurs, then everything is different forever. And so there is no one to bring about transformation or transcendence. There's no power to change your beliefs about reality. They may change in accord with what you learn. Everything that we learn changes the paradigm to some extent. It adds a new piece of information that recontextualizes the value of all the other information. But the most important information you can take is that you are not the ego. You are not the one who feels about yourself a certain way. Whether you believe that you are good or you believe you're evil, whether you believe you're beautiful or ugly, uh, that, that you are uh, an asset or a liability, whether you are pure or toxic, whatever are the, the beliefs that you have about the ego, those beliefs can fall away by themselves because at that moment of fusion there is no one to hold up those beliefs. And you can know even after you lose the, the, the present consciousness of the illusion that it is an illusion. And so there becomes a margin of presence that doesn't any longer have to be taken down by uh, an ego thought or emotion that would otherwise bring depression or anxiety or some other uh, pathological reaction to, uh, to an event that was not in one's control or in which one failed oneself or believes that one betrayed oneself or believes that one uh, uh, fell back into an addictive process or in some objectifying uh, process of degrading the other or feeling the, a projection by the other that degrades oneself. Any of these kinds of uh, reactions that the ego has are recognized as its own fantasy and that it has no way to reach you in order to hurt you and it has no reality that that can affect who you are or how the unfoldment of reality uh, proceeds. And so there is a kind of immunity, a psychic immune system strengthening that enables one to live one's life with much less need for the approval of the other, much less fear of rejection or abandonment, much less uh, need for uh, interpersonal interaction. But there can be a giving and a sense of one's uh, participation in reality at a higher level than simply egoic collusions or uh, alliances or other kinds of interactions of the more superficial kind that egos tend to uh, to uh, engage in, but instead a an engagement with that 
wholeness of being that can be seen within every being. And so the world becomes transparent. Its phenomenal aspect gets washed out and one has a kind of X-ray vision that sees through to the inner light and the unity in which this unified field acts in perfect harmony with itself at every level. And therefore there is no longer a sense of things happening as glitches or mistakes or errors or this is someone's fault or someone should be blamed for this or that because everything has to unfold in exactly the way that it does. And that gives a margin for acceptance and for un unconditional love and forgiveness and mercy and mercy on oneself when the glitch seems to be caused by one's own failure or ignorance or inattention. All of these uh, phenomenal events can be observed from a place of deeper attention. And that deeper attention and awakening, which although it's not under control, because it has happened as a result of a fusion with the source, it has a tendency to produce an ever stronger sense of wakeful presence that overcomes and overrides the ego's tendency to put itself down or put the other down or have some kind of judgment in which someone has to be wrong or bad or, uh, or rejected or uh, in some way uh, uh, condemned, let's say, by the ego's need to be free of a projected aspect of its own being that it has condemned. And through that uh, reunion with a, a part of oneself at a psychological level that one had demonized and one can bring that back into the light through unconditional forgiveness, then there is even more power of presence to overcome uh, the next challenge or the next moment when a, a projective identification emerges in the mind and one feels uh, uh, a sense of, uh, of a, uh, a conflict uh, and uh, a sense of being exploited or of being uh, treated in a way that is insulting or slighting or in some way uh, ridiculing. All of these false judgments that produce 90% of our suffering are seen as total illusions that are based on a narcissistic demand that the ego be seen a certain way and at the same time a superego attack that keeps one from accepting who one is at that level that one wishes the other would see one as because one doesn't believe in that level of one's purity of being oneself. So this uh, dyadic uh, game that the ego plays with itself as a superego falls away and then the reality of the apparent differences of beings uh, are smoothed out in a recognition and resonance with the essence in which we are all the same, all one, all perfect, all beautiful, all manifestations of the same blissful self.
And so although this cannot be controlled by any individual, it is a fact that now that, that supreme power wants to bring this into being, is bringing it, doesn't have to want it. It is a wave of change that's happening in the world that is uh, moving people to change their lives in ways in which they might not have been able to even imagine in the past. And their eyes open to the acceleration of change in the world that is shifting everyone's uh, uh, sense of reality into one of, uh, of uh, shock and awe of the groundlessness that we are now uh, enduring and that we can no longer deny because everything we took for granted and depended on as being reality that will be here tomorrow and the next day no longer can be taken for granted. And so as more and more of these aspects of the phenomenal reality that we thought were uh, certainties, a sure bet, fall away and we lose uh, that which we were attached to, that which we projected we could be sure of and that we cannot, there also comes a compensating power of solitude and independence that enables us to let go of that certainty on the phenomenal plane because we now will have greater certainty that we are noumenal beings who are dreaming the phenomenal plane and therefore not at risk uh, because the dream is now producing avalanches and floods and, uh, and millions of horsemen of the apocalypse. And none of these uh, shifts of the apparent world have any effect except an enjoyment of the, of the beauty that one recognizes pertains to death as well as to birth. And one recognizes that death and birth are a couple who come together. And that when a civilization or a world is about to die, then a new world comes into being to replace the old. And the two processes happen simultaneously. The terminally ill old civilization dies slowly and gradually and fits and starts and with denial and pretense that everything is okay and all we need is a little more quantitative easing and we'll be fine or uh, we'll do this geoengineering and we'll deal with climate change or we'll deal with all of these things with our technological prowess and then of course the impossibility of that and the realization of the lack of intelligence of those political elites that would have to create all of these changes who have no will or imagination or vision to do it. And the recognition that would otherwise produce dismay and despair now uh, become realizations that the, the death will happen more quickly and the suffering beings will be put out of their misery but a new world will come to take the place of the old and those same beings who seem to be suffering will be able to also recognize the blissful, eternal beauty of, 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 
of existence as manifestations of divine perfection. And so the shifting, the, the, the continental collapse into the ocean of certain land masses and, uh, and population masses and masses of energy and belief will disappear and others will emerge from the depths. And all of these changes that are producing a, a birth of a new world that is ever more beautiful than the one that is dying and needs to die for its own sake and the sake of all who are part of it is not a horror, is not uh, something to feel despair or sadness or terror about, but is a natural process, just as every death and every birth is but it's also a supernatural process because it is being guided by that cosmic intelligence of which we are parts, of which we are manifestations. And as we are awakened to that, we become very powerful and effective catalysts to shift all of those beings who are identified with what is dying to become re-identified with what is being born and to take away their pain and terror and dread and turn it into joy and love and bliss because this is a time to celebrate, not to mourn. And it's in that celebration of the shift from one age to another, from one cycle of time to another, from one type of reality to a higher and more beautiful kind of reality that we are participating in and co-creating and being created by at the same time. And it's that immense, awesome, uh, unimaginably incredible transformation that is being accomplished through an intelligence that we can't even understand, that most of us don't even realize exists and that is the puppeteer that is moving us through life uh, is bringing us to the awakening, to the fact that the puppet is not who we are, but that all along that self that is pulling our strings is the real I, that you are already in this moment. Namaste. Okay, floor is open if anyone wants to comment on that or ask any questions. Mm -hmm. The main thing that comes up over and over again is when you talk about seeing the perfection and the seeming imperfection that um, the ego is going to appropriate that and somehow I need to also accept that that's perfect as well mm -hmm. that's, that's a, it's not going well <laughs> it seems like there's a reaction uh, to that what's the reaction? Um, I guess the question is is the ego always going to appropriate all of, the, all of the teachings? Well, I think the teachings are causing the ego to disappear. The teachings themselves have the power to gradually deconstruct the ego, 
to make the ego itself aware of its own illusory existence. And it becomes more and more transparent to itself as a, a narrative fiction. And, and, and that which the ego thought it was, it will realize it never really was. And all of its attachments and loyalties and beliefs and, uh, and expectations about reality will be easily let go of and the real self will become that power that is operating the body and the mind. So that there will be this very gradual transition in a way that your ego itself can't calculate and calibrate as it's changing. But there will be a change that at some point you will recognize, oh, you don't believe in your ego anymore, and, and, and it can't appropriate that which doesn't belong to it. But even its appropriation of it was part of its uh, imagining itself at a higher state than it was, and that very imagining was a performativity paradox that actually boosted it into that higher level of consciousness. Of course, there is nothing but God. But the, it, what is not God is the ego's interpretation of it. That will, will always... It scares me. This fake it till you make it is filled with all sorts of other crazy imaginary ideas. Sure, but those ideas will have their own karmic backlash so that they won't be able to maintain themselves. And, and, uh, and soon one won't want the suffering involved with trying to become a megalomaniac or messianic figure or whatever and try to, uh, to claim that, that one is whatever the ego wants to... Uh, boast about and, and all of the, the air will be taken out of that balloon by karma. So you don't need to worry about it. But the more that you pay attention to the source from which whatever the, the actual virtues of your, even your ego have, uh, you realize that they do come from God and because everything good does. And so uh, revel in that, enjoy it, but let it make you more humble and more dedicated to receiving even more virtues until you realize that you are the source yourself, but not the wrong self that, that is part of the mental construct, but that which is supramental. Mm -hmm. I don't have a comment or a question, but um, I just wanted to comment that um, I appreciate your answer to Santiago Raj and talking about feeling deconstructed. Your teaching is deconstructing more and more because that's just exactly how I felt tonight. Like. Hmm. It was just completely deconstructed. <laughs> okay, good. And very, yeah, just like it just gets more and more subtle or something. I don't know what's happening. Mm -hmm. Right, so it's happening, but you're not making it happen. Even the teachings aren't making it happen. So uh, there may seem to be a cause and effect relation, but it's happening because it's happening. Uh, and, and the will of that supreme presence that wants your intelligence to open up to your true nature and let go of the ego is effecting a transformation. So you don't have to, to worry about what's causing it. Uh, it's just happening because it's meant to happen. The more you are present, you discover that is the happening.
because that's all the ego is, is a lack of presence because it loses itself in representations that makes it live in the past or the future, it's never present. And so presence is egolessness, and that is the, the self that is actually the power that's working through everyone. You talk about in this moment of point of fusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ego has the fear because it will not exist if that fusion remains. That's right. And so the but that's not it. The fear is not the fusion. The fear sort of precedes it. Right? That's right. Sure, and it tries to prevent it, but it doesn't really have the power to prevent it. And when the fusion is meant to take place, it happens, and the fear dissolves, and it has no power to override. The, the will of God, if you want to put it into that f format, but it, you don't need to have a religious context. It's simply the self manifesting its true nature fully. You were first, Vajra, by a half a second. Mm -hmm. So what is the point of practice if uh, there is no cause, only an effect that is uh, not because of any effort? You're going to practice anyway. If I tell you to stop practicing, you're still going to practice because you enjoy the practice. The practice brings rewards. It brings a, a greater empowerment. It brings all kinds of benefits. But you're not doing it because you calculated that on some hedonic scale that this is more, maybe more enjoyable and that less enjoyable. You're just doing what you are inherently intended to do. So I don't need to, uh, to try to convince you you should practice. You know? And uh, if you're not meant to practice, you're not going to practice, no matter how convinced you are that you should. And uh, whatever is your destiny is going to unfold as it's intended to by that source. So uh, ultimately, there is no practice. And as soon as there is realization of who you are, who is there to practice? That's the whole point of the Neo-Advaita. There is no one to practice anything. You're already the Atman who is doing what? So the, the sooner that illusion is let go of, the more that the practice becomes the perfection that the practice was intended to reach and that which is already the truth of who you are. Do you still wake up even if you never practice, if that was the will of... That's right. Sure. Well, Ramana never practiced, but he became enlightened like that, right? He just paid attention to what was going on at that moment and took it all away and he's done. So that can happen to anyone. But it wasn't something he chose either. It happened to him, right? He was simply drawn into that void of egolessness, of death, and the ego was no more. And then no more decisions were ever made. Everything just happens spontaneously, and the same is really happening to you right now, but your mind doesn't recognize that. If you pay attention to the deeper self that's not the mind, you will see that there's already that state of liberation that doesn't need to practice anything. Now it's your turn. Um, you said 
that in the moment of fusion, there, it would produce an awakening and a frequency mm -hmm. will remain even if one loses that fusion. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to understand that, that, that idea in, in that there are these moments of satori or mm -hmm. uh, complete, let's yeah. say, uh, silence mm -hmm. where a frequency is reached mm -hmm. that then eventually the ego returns and makes one drop that frequency. And yet, mm -hmm. are you suggesting that there is a, I don't even know to call it a memory because uh, that's... Yeah, a memory kind. trace of a that. That's right. Almost like a sanskara, if you wish, or a, a, mm -hmm. a path that, mm -hmm. that has been opened that then one can uh, purposely return to? Or how, how does one, because you suggest that one can then reconnect to that? Sure, but it's not that one can, it's that it will happen. Okay. That because the trace is timeless, it, it is a moment, the, the, that moment of fusion brings you from time into eternity. And so that timeless presence then emanates through all time. And so you never lose it. The trace of that is always there with you. Okay. Now, it's even there before that experience or Empyreans or Sumerians, however you want to call it, happens. Before that fusion happens, it, it, it's, that itself is a trace of the original fact that before you were ever born into this dream field, that's who you were and are. And uh, even though you're dreaming that you're something or someone else, the, the reality doesn't change. And so uh, that's always there. So it's not that one can change it, but that it, it is part of the reality that will bring the return to that state because it's more coherent, it's more beautiful, it brings more happiness, it brings more uh, uh, of the, the, the final satisfaction and fulfillment of life. And so the, the, uh, the, the, the trajectory of your life will bring you back to that source one way or another, even if it has to go through a number of downfalls at the ego level and then crashing and hitting bottom in order to be able to say, okay, now I'm ready. But it, it, the return is inevitable and uh, the more that one has these moments of uh, fusion or uh, transcendent glimpses of the real, it means that the sooner one is going to return to that complete liberation in this uh, lifetime. Okay. So, would you say uh, two questions? That it's um, you're saying it, it could you're saying it's gradual, at least in time, that one has these potentially, or one can be like Ramana and realizing one. Well, even that was gradual in the sense that it started when his father died at twelve, and then it happened at sixteen. So there was still a four-year period, right? So. I think that it's always gradual. And then if you add in the past lives in which he made a lot of effort and, and it finally culminated in that one. So for it, it's gradual in the sense of that's what time is about, is the whole process of 
the separation, the enjoyment of the adventures that the, uh, the mind can create in a sense of uh, separate existence from the source, and then the final desire to return because the world itself is exhausted and barren and dying, and in seeing that you don't want to die along with it, you want there to be some final hope of restoration or or revelation or redemption and that in itself is going to bring you back to to the only hope that there really is that is now going to manifest itself in the form of that that uh, transformation of the world that you are now a part of so could you say that then going back to what you responded before the only thing that is to be done is to be present That's the only thing that that you have any will to achieve. That's right. That's it. Be present and then there's a fusion with this. Right. You can't even choose to be present, okay? Uh Because you can want to be present and then still have a very bad meditation in which you weren't present, (laughs) right? And darn, I, I couldn't stop my mind for one minute, and I was so sure this was the time I was going right, to transcend. So you don't have control even there. But that desire, as it gets stronger and stronger, is a sign that soon you will be taken out of the misery of the ego's needing to make all this effort. And uh, the fullness of your real self will reveal itself, and you will then get to laugh at all the effort that you made, and uh, and the realization that uh, that wasn't you at all needing to make that effort. And it was all perfect, and that's how it had to be. Absolute perfection. So the one thing you can take from that is, why not accept then your absolute perfection now? You can't force yourself to do that, but it could happen. Why fight it if that thought comes into your mind and enables you to let go of all the stress and the worry and the self-attacks and all of those things that the ego are producing when none of them are true anyway? Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti podcast. For more information on programs and retreats, click on the calendar section of our website, www.satyoga.org. Our work is made possible by the generous support of our listeners, viewers, and members. To make a donation, please visit the donate page of our website. We thank you for your support in our mission to share this timeless wisdom with the world. Namaste.